0: Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. In today's episode, I'm joined by Jess Quain. Jess is a doula and birth keeper living in Melbourne. And I'm just so excited to bring you this episode because we cover so many topics. So Jess has got four beautiful children. Uh, Her most recent little boy was born about six weeks ago. So she's been navigating postpartum during COVID. Uh, She also talks about the birth of her first daughter who was born sleeping. Um, So we have a really beautiful conversation about... Uh, about her first daughter, Lillianne, and the story uh, that goes along with that. Um, And then she also talks candidly about the birth of her second daughter and her battles with postnatal depression. So there's some really big topics there, um, but it is a really, really just beautiful conversation. And it's so nice to see how far Jess has come. She's an amazing woman, an amazing mother, And, um, yeah, I'm just really happy that we could have this chat and, and that other people are going to listen to it. (laughs) So you can find Jess on Instagram. I'll leave all of her details in the show notes and yeah, I really hope you enjoy this one. Jess. Yes. I want to talk to you about postpartum. Sure let's go. Well first off I want you to tell me a little bit about who you are and who's in your life.
1: Right so um, obviously my name is Jess and I have uh, four babies. Um, I have three earth babies and one star baby. So our first daughter um, she was still born when I was 33 weeks pregnant with her Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and then from from her we've had another three babies so another a little girl after Lillianne um and then a boy and then now another little boy who is five weeks old so So yeah go (laughs) (laughs) no no you're right um I was just going to say yep so you can um I was going to say sorry my brain's like fried
0: that's fine babe you're in you're five weeks deep into (laughs) postpartum
1: Oh it is like that, and when you have children that just don't sleep it's even it's even more exciting um, yeah. but yeah no, so a lot of um I've done a lot of work this pregnancy with my last son, but it definitely hasn't been easy um, mm-hmm. the last seven years and going through a loss and then being pregnant again yeah. um, and then obviously after as well was really quite difficult, especially with my first my first daughter, my first earth daughter when mm-hmm. she when she was born, I found that I went to a really difficult time within myself. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, do you want to chat first about little Hendrix, and then yeah. we can sort of we might move backwards through your your timeline. <laughs> sure, we can do that. Yeah. Um. So I guess one of the first things that I would sort of I'm just really interested because. I don't know anyone that's had a baby recently. So, you know, how has COVID impacted your postpartum? Because I can you know, some postpartum is usually pretty isolating at the best of times. And yeah, I'm just wondering how you're doing.
1: Um, I'm actually I've had some I've had a bit of a moment last week where I felt really quite isolated and a little bit not lonely, but I guess restricted in so many ways that I wasn't being Able to have community around me in in a personal physical level, mm. um, obviously because I am I you know I love hugs and I love that interaction with people. That it was that was that moment where I was like oh shit like I actually can't actually I can't even just get in the car and go have a coffee with someone. I can't even yeah. just down like you know debrief, download and offload everything that I'm feeling right now with my kids being home from school and Mm. you know that's been another challenge in itself like having a newborn baby and then a four-year-old that is home from kinder and a six-year-old that's home from school and then you've got this you know this challenging of trying to remote learn with a six-year-old and Mm -hmm. a newborn baby and trying to breastfeed and then trying to get someone else a lunch and then someone can't tie their shoe up and then the dog's barking and then someone's at your front door and then your phone rings and it's just a lot like it's a a lot lot. (laughs) yeah it's a lot and I think to a lot of you know for me as well there was a little bit of triggering there for me when I um, had really bad postnatal depression with my first daughter that mm. there was moments there what I like at nighttime I'd kind of sit there and I was like gosh I just feel so alone and as much as I've got online community as well it's just that factor of not being able to have that physical touch with someone and yeah stay. and I guess it's an energy thing you know I'm a I'm a very big energy person so you know when someone comes within my space for me it's like I can really dive in with them but when it's just an online thing or an over the phone thing it's like you can you can talk as much as you kind of as you want or as you can but it's just not that connection that in-depth connection that I think every human needs you need to have that human connection with somebody
0: yeah and like that's the thing having a baby under normal circumstances is you know hard enough and isolating enough and we weren't meant to do it alone and now on top of that you're doing it during a freaking pandemic
1: (laughs) I know and Sorry. honestly like but I have to say the silver lining of it as well you know we haven't had any visitors come to our home and it's almost been quite lovely to be able to I don't have a baby bubble because there is no baby bubble when you're mm. at home and you've got other kids running around because I don't have that one on one time with my son that I'm able to really you know absorb every little minute with him and sit there and laugh with him and and really enjoy his space but at the same time it's um it's really therapeutic to know that this has kind of been a perfect timing for myself to have my own reflections of of everything else going around me to really know that, um, you know, having that online community is great. But I'm really
0: missing having <laughs> just yeah. a coffee with someone. Yeah. And is your um your partner at home a little bit more, or is he still working?
1: No, so he's been really lucky where he's actually been an essential worker, so he has been working. Um, yeah. At the very start, I'll be. It was a little bit. I was a little bit nervous about everything with the COVID, and I I was quite wanting him to be at home with me because I was obviously really worried. Mm-hmm. Um, but financially, he obviously has to go to work, and it just it is it, it it kind of you know is what it is and was what it was. But it was um, it gave me that chance as well and the opportunity to to do things differently and on my own. Is yeah. It was it's definitely been challenging, that is for sure. Mm. And
0: what about things like um visits from maternal and child health nurses and that kind of stuff? Are they still doing yeah. that or? Yeah, so when I
1: was when I was pregnant with Hendrix, um I was lucky enough that I put myself in really early to go through the um private midwifery group practice. So I was at their clinic up until I was about thirty 34 weeks and then that midwife came out to my house um Mm -hmm. but she was she did wear gloves and she had a mask on and it made it feel it was so surreal but so sterile at the same time because it was just you know something that's so different um so she did come to my house for those checkups but it was it was um it was quite unnatural for to have a conversation with someone on the phone in my car in her car sorry in my driveway so she'd Mm. come to my house come to my house and she'd talk to me in her car um, on the phone for about 15 minutes just to sort of check in, see how I was going mentally, ask me questions about myself and uh, uh, pregnancy-wise. And then she would um, come inside. I would open the door for her. She would be wearing her mask and her gloves and then she would just do a um, physical checkup. So she would just do like the dog blood to make sure everything was going fine. And then it was she hopped in her car and then she would leave. So that was throughout the pregnancy and then um, knowing that I was only allowed to have one support person as well was really hard. Mm. Um, but afterwards when it was the same sort of thing that like they came to my house, but with a maternal health nurse, um, I, it has been all over the phone, phone consultations. Yeah. And I think because I have had past history of having um, depression and anxiety postnatally uh, and almost like psychosis as well, um with my first order that they were checking on me um quite a lot with a lot of their questions mm mm-hmm. um which i did think that you know yes obviously there's a place for that as well but it's it's really for me i find it'll be really difficult to have that conversation um over the phone and not in person
0: yeah absolutely because yeah it's it's hard enough to tell someone that you don't know that you know you might not be coping, or that you're having a problem with something, and then when you've got to do it over the phone to a complete stranger, essentially, <laughs> like,
1: yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, like they offer um, video calls as well, but you know it's hard to have a, a normal conversation for five minutes with somebody without the kids yelling in the background than what it is to have a um an, a, you know a video call. But um, I have I have had in person consults the last two weeks just to have Hendrix's weight checked because um mm-hmm. obviously having previous history of um feeding and that as well, um having his weight checked and going in and for me it's been fine. Like it's like obviously we've you know they've taken their cautions quite seriously and we're on the in there for the weight and his uh, his length and and then we leave. So yeah. yeah.
0: And so how are you going with breastfeeding? Because I know, like, i obviously following you on social media and you've been talking about it a bit there yeah. um, with a few little challenges and things, but how's it all going?
1: Um, so three years ago I had a um, breast lift and implants put in. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, one of the questions was, are you going to have any more kids? And I was like, no. How <laughs> <laughs> um, <Hell> no. <laughs> and then it was like, surprise. <laughs> um and sometimes I even think to myself, I don't even know how it even happened. Like obviously you know how it happens, but it's like mm-hmm. I didn't even like it. it was honestly one of those things that took me for a six. So I was like, Oh my goodness, this is we're doing this again. Uh, what about my boobs? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's what it was like. And the first thing I thought was like it did, it went straight to my body image and that was so true. I, I did think to myself, I was at that point where I was I was feeling the best about myself I probably ever have physically. Mm-hmm. Um that I thought to myself if I'm going to breastfeed I don't think I'm going to be able to Mm. Uh, and I think too like having um, knowing that when a surgeon did say to me would you like to have any more kids or are you going to have any more kids was a bit of a flicker to say well you might not be able to breastfeed if Mm. you going to have any more children so I made sure that throughout my pregnancy I was really um, honest within myself to go okay if I can I can if I can't I can't but I'd really like to give this a real shot um, and not feel guilty if I can't either yeah. because, you know, obviously with my previous um, ch- like children when they were on, I didn't really breastfeed them for that much. They were, like, pretty much went straight on the bottle, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. And it was just I really wanted to commit to this to this journey and to this relationship yeah. uh, to do it. So, no, honestly, like I've, I did a lot of um, prenatal expressing, which really helped. Mm -hmm. um and then after that yeah so when he was born he pretty much latched on straight away and I've been exclusively breastfeeding so it's been it's been there's been a couple of challenges where I've had the starters but I was able to um get rid of that on my own so that was good but yeah
0: it's definitely Yeah. yeah and I mean it is super challenging like you know we talk about breastfeeding oh it's so natural you know blah 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 yeah, it's natural, but it's also a learned skill. Like it's mm. it's it's you've never done it before, like well, this I'm talking from my perspective with my son. Like I'd never done it before and he'd never done it before. You yeah. know, Hendrix has never done it before. So it's like yeah. you kind of need to learn how it's, each other works. And yeah. then if you've got the added challenge of um, having your breast augmentation, like it's gonna take time for it to kind of to yeah. to find that rhythm.
1: Absolutely and I think as well it's it's like a fine it's like a fine dance isn't it you know you kind Mm -hmm. of you're getting to know each other and you're kind of moving this way and moving that way and you're getting to know each other like you you, it's it's literally for me it's like every day is a different day and we'll have really good days and then we'll have a bad day and that's okay Mm -hmm. and I think that's where society comes in that there's so much pressure for women Mm -hmm. with feeding and you know and and everything else and look everyone's going to have their own opinion but you just do what you have to do and yeah that's something that I think needs to be normalized that um it it like the support's out there. Like if you really would you know I encourage everyone to obviously have the education and the information behind them because that's really important as well to be able to to know that you've got someone there that's gonna help you along the way.
0: Mm. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like if it's taking a toll on, you know, your mental health and you physically, then yeah I think you've got to shut out the um the the pressure and the noise of what other people think because Uh,
1: that's it and look it's one of those things that's a topic that everyone's going to have their own opinions and that everyone's you know validated to have their own opinions and you know the um when I went the other day to have Hendrix Wade and there was a bit of a comment made about me having low milk supply and I'm sure that you saw my post (laughs) Mm. um but it was it was more to myself to think that you know and and i'm not discriminating, you know first time mums but look i've been a first time mum and that was that was what was said to me when i you know when i had my first order and mm. for me that was really discouraging because i thought mm. well I'm not, like, I'm not good enough i can't yeah. i can't do this. you know it was hard but it, it kind know, of
0: plants a seed doesn't it? it
1: it does it does and i think that you know it's the language that's spoken that needs to be able to um, we need to to uh, i don't even. i don't even really know what to even say on that part but
0: yeah I know what you not, mean though it's like you know, it's yeah even, it's the same in birth like the terms that they use you know like failure to thrive and you know failure to progress it's always a negative low supply you know That's, how yeah. can we sort of twist it to make it more encouraging from others rather yeah. than making them feel like they're failing <laughs>
1: And I think that's the thing, like everybody is different. Like every human body is different and we all, we all cope with things differently. And, you know, she said to me <laughs> to bring up my milk supply, she's like, Oh, maybe you could express in between feeds. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I'll, I'll express in between feeds when my baby feeds every two hours, by the time okay. that I put him down, give him a bit of a burp, then one of my kids wants something to eat. Then the other one wants me to turn the television on and then the phone rings and then mm-hmm. by the time that that two hours comes around, he needs another feed again like it's just it's some things are just you know you can't do it <laughs> you just uh, you really... should have said
0: can you come over and do it for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just seriously you have to do what you have to do and then I felt actually really quite shit because I thought you know what okay I'm gonna give this a go so after I fed Hendrix I was like I'm gonna express I'm gonna do what she's told me to do so then I literally was expressing and I'm not kidding you I expressed for half an hour on the one side of my breast and I got 10 miler out and I mm. thought, if I've got 10 mil out, does that mean that Hendrix is getting nothing? Like, and that, that thought played in my mind. And like you said, it's like a seed that gets put in your head that you think, hang on, if I've only got this much, that means that my baby hasn't really got anything, mm. you know? Um, yeah. And,
0: and the thing with that is, I knew, I knew you were going to say that that's what happened. Like, yeah, you you sort of judge yourself on, like, what you're able to pump. Yeah. But, you know, your baby going to be able to draw more milk from you than a pump can let me just say that first and foremost
1: absolutely and I think this is the thing like no one is a better expert than yourself within Mm. yourself no one else knows you more than what you know yourself so I think sometimes you know we there's so many labels and there's so many graphs and there's so many expectations and there's like a you know a normal this and normal that is that there actually is no normal there's no normal we're all just you know
0: humans just living this experience that we're all different Mm, that's it. And so are you, what sort of self-care are you practising at the moment? Because, you know, you've got lots going on. You've got three kids <laughs> and, you know, just a global pandemic. Um, so what Yeah, are I know. <laughs>
1: well um someone asked me the other day they're like so what do you do for self-care what makes you feel good and I was like do you know what makes me feel good if I can slap on a tan and dance for myself in front of a mirror and turn myself on that is making me feel good (laughs) that is so
0: good and I'm seeing like you know people sort of think like you know there's different self self self-care for everyone and people think you need to sort of you know, go somewhere and have a massage and do all that stuff, which is really nice if you can do that. But yeah, just putting on some tan and having a jam <laughs> sesh like so big, can, yeah, can it's be so, the thing that makes you feel better that day.
1: <laughs> it does, and I think that's the thing. Like music, it transform, like it transforms your soul to another place. And even if you just get literally ten minutes to yourself, whether it be going outside and literally putting your bare feet, you know, on the grass or on the earth, for me, that is self care. It just to be able to walk to my letterbox and have that sun shining on my face, that's self care. Like like you were saying before, like, you know, it's beautiful to have a massage and getting nails done. But I think too, like, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't look at it treating ourselves because, mm. you know, at the same time, it's a, it's a it's something that we all need to be able to do is to have that self care. So yeah, absolutely. We can have a shower for five minutes on my own without a kid putting their fingers through underneath <laughs> the door. <laughs> or like mm-hmm. like oh my goodness, like this morning, my self-care was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to literally go to the toilet on my own. i just, I need five minutes to go to the toilet on my own, right? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Hendrix starts crying. So I was like, oh my goodness, I really have to go to the toilet. So I'm picking up Hendrix. I get to the toilet and I have to take him to the toilet with me. So here Mm -hmm. I am trying to get to the toilet and the jacket that I was wearing fell into the toilet. It was just (laughs) like, it was like, that was my self-care. Like, I wanted that moment. And, and it was like, it might sound silly to some people, but just being able to have a breather away from anybody else mm. um, is really important that you do that, especially for, you know, just your mental state to be able to have a clearer, you know, a clearer mind and a clearer space be able to come back to your little humans and be like, okay, I feel a little bit recharged now. I feel refreshed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a bit more energy. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I hear you. I've had many toilet experiences with a child sitting on my knee oh. <laughs> and sitting there thinking, how, how am I actually going to wipe myself
1: <laughs> no and that's actually so nice to hear because at that moment in time i thought to myself i i don't know anyone else that would actually do this like do people actually sit on the toilet with their kid? but clearly like you oh, just do what you have to do and if you have to go you have to bloody go and oh right. it's just yeah so you no, know, honestly anything to like having a shower having a cup of tea you know writing in a journal anything and even if you just need to switch off for a little bit and just go for a walk that's something that I really love I love just getting out there and going for a walk and yeah it's just yeah everyone you need to have that self-care doesn't matter what sort of shape or form it's in it's just you need to just have that with a breather
0: did you have any sort of plan for what you wanted your postpartum to look like with Hendrix
1: um I guess throughout my pregnancy, it was such a journey of um, spirituality, consciousness. Like there was a lot of embodiment that I really took place in, and I found I've I found that there's been a big shift there for me. Um, so, um, planning. I, I don't really like. I don't like planning because I think that things. Um, I don't like to label things like that, only because I feel like there's such an expectation. I yes. Yeah. So for me, it was like, okay, so let's just see sort of what happens and then obviously like with the whole like pandemic and everything um I knew that it was going to be a really tight bubble um -hmm. I just and I and I was really grateful that you know I had people that dropped like dropped around food and I was having phone calls from people and like you know even just like a card dropped at my front door was really personal to me and it was really lovely Mm. um but I didn't really necessarily have a plan. I, look, I made sure there was food in my freezer for my kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is like, honestly, rule 101 out there is like, <laughs> please like cook yourself up some food and put it in your yeah. freezer because, yeah, it's just easy to grab that sort of stuff out. But, um, yeah, I, I can't really say that I had a plan as such. I, I just knew that it was going to be different and I was just going to not put pressure on myself and and just go with the flow a little bit more than mm. and you know wanting to have anything structured.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably the best situation for what's going on right now because yeah, how can you plan for it? You know, um, I mean, you can like you said, you can put food in the freezer and you can do a few other little things, but um, yeah, it's it's probably going to make things a bit easier for you to not have too many things that you wanted like to make sure happened. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think the important thing is to know as well, like yes, as much as we're in um this sort of pandemic and there's social distancing and and everything else, is like there's nothing stopping you from um going outside and literally Mm. just having, you know, a walk around your block. You're not restricted to that point where we can't do that. Um, but I also think it's important as well to know that you have a support circle around you in that time because you're so vulnerable and you're so precious and you're so, you know, you want to be held. You want someone to, um, to value you in a way that, you know, you've just like given birth to mm. a baby that it's that, it's that real special golden, you know, 40 days of postpartum that, you know, it gets taken away from you a little bit. And and I, I, I'll be honest with you. Like I had a bit of grief and I was, I was angry and I was pissed off at the world and I thought like, are you freaking serious? Like you're actually going to fucking do this to me right now. Like I've worked so hard my whole pregnancy and then I've had this beautiful birth, but even then things were taken away from me. Like I wasn't able to have certain support there or my photographer or, you know, my doula, like, you know, there was, was, I think it's so um, validated that, you know, birthing people and women, are able to experience and feel the grief of the pandemic because that is something that I think you know it's it's a normal feeling to feel that
0: absolutely and it's so valid like far out you it's it, no one could have you know foreseen what was gonna happen and you know yeah, I totally totally understand and yeah I understand your feelings and your grief
1: yeah that's it and i think too, like you know and i think it's okay to be able to express that feeling so if something like if someone calls you up and like how are you you know i think sometimes it's so easy for people and 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 even myself you know i've played the whole like yeah i'm really good but then i'm like oh you know what today's been a really shit day today's been shit you know and i I think it's it's really expected to to feel that in this way because i feel like the whole world is in some sort of you know postpartum um isolation together so Mm yeah
0: yeah oh look and I think like saying it's shit and saying it's hard and you know it's not what you want it is totally okay like I've been saying that and I don't have a new baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah like yeah but um yeah so obviously like there's been challenges for you what have been some of the joys
1: throughout my pregnancy or afterwards
0: afterwards
1: afterwards what have been my joys
0: well maybe you didn't have any
1: (laughs) (laughs) look I know honestly I have I, I have lots of joys I think there's been a huge part of me where I look at um you know Hendrix and I think wow like I've honestly been gifted um you know something really really special and I'm trying to honor that and and taking that time as a really sacred time because mm. I'm never going to, I'm never going to feel this ever again. And I think mm-hmm. that's why, you know, when I bought his placenta home and I, I planted that and it was an, it was almost like a little, it was a little bit sad a little bit of a moment because I thought, Oh, it's a letting go of something that, you know, it's a letting go, but it's also a beginning. Mm. Um, so for me, that was, that was really special. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, but I've, I've had lots of joys and joys, I guess, with my kids, you know, um, meeting their little brother and yeah,
0: yeah. I don't I, I, interact.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think to, and the joy of finding um, something really special within myself. You know, there's. I think having this isolation time has had a lot of. I've had a lot of realizations that there's a lot of things that I used to like. A lot of materialistic things that I think a lot of people would feel, but now I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's so. That's like nothing compared to, you know the experiences that I've had recently. You know?
0: Yeah. It puts things sort of into perspective and you yeah. find that strength that you maybe didn't know was there,
1: I think. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the joys of as well of having my kids at home where I'm as much as, you know, they drive me batty some days, but it's like <laughs> <laughs> like being able to get messy, like messy in the garden, messy inside and like there's glitter all throughout my house and <laughs> You know, like it's just
0: yeah. It's, it's like, Why does the baby have glitter on him?
1: <laughs> Who did it? I oh, know, I oh, know. It's just yeah. And look, and I think you can see the silver lining in everything. And I think you have to try and see the joy in it because you know this is not a forever thing. Like it's not a, like God, hope not, but it's not a forever <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, it's joy. not a forever. It is, and it's a thing. It's not forever. So let's just try and to enjoy as much as we possibly can because by the time you know it. There's never gonna be a normal, we're never gonna go back to a normal life because that's been and done now. But there's a huge like there's gonna be a huge change and I think we have to bring those joys into that change. Mm.
0: And you mentioned briefly Hendrix's placenta. That was one of my questions because I um I didn't get to see your live, but I did see some pictures and I'm obsessed with placenta's. Like
1: <laughs> look, you I- know what? I actually videoed it. It's like a three minute video, and I thought, you know what? Maybe I should just slap it onto like an IGTV thing. Are people gonna yes. actually want to watch me like dissecting his placenta, and, yes. <laughs> like stretching it yes. out? <laughs> um,
0: Absolutely,
1: I'll watch it. <laughs> so for all those like people out there that like those um popping pimple or people pimple popping people, <laughs> <laughs> they might they might love this whole like dissect <laughs> dissecting a, a placenta video. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I originally was thinking that I I. I previously with the other two children or three children with Lillian it was a bit different because they took hers away for um analyzing and for testing but for the other two Mm -hmm. um it wasn't a big thing to me like I didn't really know that much about it I was like oh yeah they live inside this stack that gave them life it's a bit of blood whatever they showed me it they and they took it away um but I guess being a birth doula and doing so much work within the last year or so is that I really. I I, I learned so much about it and it's not it's just such a beautiful organ and it's just Mm. it's such a life giver and for me without that like we wouldn't be talking today you know like we wouldn't Mm. be here so um with Hendrix's I really wanted to honor that and to um and hold a special space and um and a love for it I guess and a thank you for his placenta um so I was gonna have it encapsulated and then obviously the pandemic everything happened and then everything kind of got over me and then I thought you know what why don't we just take it home and then we'll just wing it and just you know see what happens and then if we print mm-hmm. it or people suggested that you can cook it up but um so we, we took it home in an esky and then it was sitting in my freezer for about a month <laughs> then I thought you know for is one month you know around, you know being you know within my arms, let's just do something really special for him mm. and, and a thank you. So, we've got a beautiful, um, blood orange, you know, ironic blood orange, um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, <laughs> oh, um, a tree. And yeah, I, I took that out of the um, freezer and I defrosted it. And I actually attempted to do a print, it actually doesn't mm. look too bad. I'll send you, a, I'll pop a photo, it actually doesn't look too bad, um, mm. but it's yeah just actually looking at it and and just thinking to myself like wow it's just a miracle it's actually a miracle within itself yeah
0: it's really um, mind-blowing it's the only organ that we grow um outside of utero like yeah. we don't just grow organs and <laughs> like how, <laughs> I know I, it really it it can really freak people out when you talk about it but I talk about it like it's a piece of
1: toast like yeah yeah i know and i think that's what we have to normalize we have to normalize that because it's like i think that um especially obviously people that aren't in the birth world or don't really have that want to connect to you know wanting to know more about things like this is that Mm. it's um, it's it's actually really unique and really special like when you really look at it and you do a little bit of research on it and you think like i wish that everyone would just take that little bit of time to look at it and to and to thank it and then obviously mm. do what you need to do with it so yeah so we did the print and then um we planted it and then lo- like I lit a little candle and I did a bit of a, a ritual and a bit of a ceremony and just said thank you and then now it's um underneath my tree in the soil
0: <laughs> that's so beautiful I love yeah. that I think that that's just such a sweet thing to do and like you know you'll have this beautiful reminder of the life-giving um organ that you had and yeah it's just I think that's sweet
1: yeah it was um (laughs) I had this conversation I rang up the local nursery because I was like okay I really need to get a tree that's going to be suitable for a placenta so when I when I rang them up I I was like hi look I'm just um they're like oh how can I help you I was like look I was just wondering I just need a tree um for my my son's placenta I bought it home from the hospital and I've defrosted it and I'm just I'm looking at planting it underneath (laughs) (laughs) something Can you just tell me what sort of tree is gonna be best for it? Um and the lady was like, um, yeah. Uh I, I'm not really sure. I can't really uh, answer that for you, but um maybe maybe like a lemon tree or something citrusy."
0: <laughs> she had clearly never been asked this question before.
1: I, know. I and it's so it's so normal for me to talk about these things that it's just so yeah. like, you know, Um, fluent but yeah it's it's really special like you said that every time that we pick a beautiful blood orange tree offer that I'm going to look at it and really respect it and be like yeah this is beautiful thank you yeah so um, obviously after losing our first daughter Lillianne um, I was obviously being so traumatized in that respect of things that falling pregnant again to me was actually quite, it was, I was quite scared and obviously really nervous as to be expected. Yeah. Um, so throughout my whole pregnancy, I had really bad anxiety um, mm. and I was quite secretive about my pregnancy. And I actually didn't um, tell anybody that I was pregnant with her at all, with Cherish, because I just, mm-hmm. I was so scared that I was going to, my body, I had this feeling of my body failed me so i Mm. thought that you know if i if i speak about her then you know something might go wrong or whatever it might be and yeah um i actually um didn't tell anyone that we'd have a baby until she was five days old so Mm. i hibernated for nine months and didn't see anybody Um, Mm -hmm. only my clients knew that i was pregnant but even then i didn't tell anyone until i was about 25 weeks because no one asked me so I was like I'm not going to say anything
0: yeah I mean it's not something you just randomly ask people
1: no that's, that's yeah um how long
0: how long after um Liliane was this when um, you were um, pregnant with Cherish
1: yeah I fell pregnant three months after so um, oh wow yeah in the way that the universe works Cher- uh, Cherish was actually meant to be her due date her estimated due date you know not that you know that's another whole thing mm. um her estimated due date was the day that Lilian, um was her due date. The year, oh, wow. yeah. So it was, um, and then we found out we were having another little girl as well. I was like, oh my goodness, me! That was just it was out of all the days in the whole year. <laughs> yeah, you know, to be actually, yeah, in into that space. But um, sorry, what was the question you asked me again?
0: Uh, I I asked about um how long had it been since? Oh yeah,
1: sorry, yeah. So it was yeah three months, three months, yeah. yeah.
0: And so you were saying that, um, you were keeping things sort of secret, like you're keeping it a secret that you're pregnant, um, and sort of, I guess, trying to navigate, um, I, I, I say it like this, not wanting to jinx yourself, <laughs> like, I know that yeah. that sounds funny, but like, um, I was the same, like I had a miscarriage before I was pregnant with Sunny and I, Obviously, completely different circumstances to you, but yeah, you kind of don't want to say anything, or you don't want to get too excited, or you don't want to put it out there too much, just in case something happens.
1: Yeah, and I think, and that's exactly right. I absolutely did feel like that too. And I think this is the thing that there is no, and it, I'm going to be like you know, quite blunt, but there is no like there is no safe space, there is no uh, no safe time to be able to mm. announce your pregnancy. So for now, like you know especially now when i fell pregnant with hendrix like i told like a lot of people when i literally just found out like i was probably out eight nine weeks when i found out i was pregnant with him and i told people then because i thought to myself you know what i want to have that support around me and yeah if you know if anything was to happen or whatever it might be good or bad that i want to know that i've got that connection there with people that i can you know i can fall upon um but yeah so um Sorry.
0: What did no, you're <laughs> right. <laughs> so after after you, you were talking about, yeah, um not not sort of wanting to tell too many people about your pregnancy.
1: Yeah, yeah, so sorry. Um, yeah, so I didn't yeah, I didn't tell anyone. So Cherish was five days uh five days old or something like that. Yeah. And we yep. um I announced it on Facebook and people were like, What? did you know you were even pregnant? Like, why didn't you say anything? And I think, you know, unless you've actually been through, you know um a pregnancy loss doesn't matter what gestation it is or after loss um you know losing a child any any state is is hard but i think Mm. you know it's it's having the expectations of um what everybody else wants as well it's it's, that's really hard um but Mm. i think at the end of the day you know you have to do what you have to do and what feels right for you and and if that means that you know you want to you know i don't recommend isolating yourself because you know there's definitely support out there um but if you need to have that time to to be, you know, to sit within and to work within, then you need that.
0: Yeah. And so, um, how long, how long were you in hospital for with her, and before you came home? So with Cherish, I was actually in hospital for a week. Um, mm-hmm. I had her.
1: She was um, I had a vaginally, so she was like. I was induced with her as well. And actually was induced with her at 37 weeks because um, I had really bad anxiety and I was having monitoring done uh, about three times a week. Um, After I was 26 weeks pregnant, I was there twice a week up until I was about 32 weeks. And then I was there three times a week having monitoring done. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was purely because I had such bad anxiety and I was obviously really worried and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, when I was about 36 weeks at that moment in time, I actually had a private obstetrician and um, it was it's so bizarre because he actually doesn't do, um, he, he, he doesn't assist any vaginal deliveries. He's only for caesareans. Mm. Um, so when I was seeing him, obviously I knew that, but he like I actually asked him, I said to him, can I have a caesarean because I just want this baby out? Um, mm. And he was quite like, he was actually quite advocating to go yeah if you want that sure we can do that for you we can book you in (laughs) Uh, and obviously knowing what I know now is very different but um Mm. you know um speaking to my GP and I was talking to her about it as well and she you know she was it was good to have that um, relationship where she just said to me you know what um have a think about it and then you know if you can do it you know being induced if you want to whatever it might be so I always had this thing that I never wanted to go over 37 weeks that's the reason why I Mm -hmm. um like you say before it's almost like you don't want to jinx something so for me it was like 37 weeks was my cut off I was like 37 weeks this baby's coming out um yeah I was yeah I was in hospital with her for about seven days um, Mm -hmm. and it was purely mentally because I was so um unable to be fit to take her home with me Mm. Do you think maybe like
0: the anxiety that you're feeling during pregnancy just sort of didn't it didn't shift once she was earthside?
1: Um I think for me it triggered a lot for my first daughter. So for me, it was like being in the yeah. same being in the same hospital, being in juice seeing the same midwives, um, you know, having when she was born, she looked exactly like Lillianne and that freaked me out because there was obviously flashbacks where I was having a lot of those um, moments where... I knew it wasn't her, but then I thought it was her, and then I was constantly checking that she was breathing, and then, and then I couldn't, yeah. form, like I couldn't form a bond or a connection with her because I wasn't connecting with her through the breast, so that obviously all the hormones there were running differently, and then it was just there was a lot of things there that um, obviously weren't connecting, and they were taking precautions and just said, you know, we just want you to stay here a little bit longer, um, mm. and then they sent me home with. Um, some sort of you know medication um okay yeah so yeah it was a, it was a really long stay at the hospital and I remember it like clear as day there was there was moments where I was looking at the window and I just felt like I didn't even like I had nothing like I had nothing inside me I had no feeling towards my daughter I had like I just felt hollow and yeah it was a really was a really sad actually honestly a really sad lonely time of my life mm-hmm. um
0: yes oh, <laughs> you
1: know, there was people around me there was people around me but at the same time it's hard to you can't they just, can't
0: they can't fully understand what nah. it is that you're going through and, nah. and you don't even really understand what you're going through probably nah. like
1: and sometimes you can't even you can't talk yourself out of a funk like that because that moment in time obviously there was there was you know, a chemical imbalance going on, a hormone imbalancement. I had, you know, postnatal triggers and um, anxiety and, and all sorts of stuff happening. So,
0: yeah, mm.
1: it, was, it was really, it was a really difficult time. So it took me a long time to actually love, love, cherish. Like it took me about six months to really, really love her and to to want her, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so were you f- sort of feeling, um, feeling like that? for for that whole six months or did it sort of ebb and flow or
1: um it was it was it was staggered there was definitely some moments where um I had to call my mum one morning because I I literally was too scared to stay at home with her because I was worried um Mm. that yeah like having those sort of thoughts run through your head like it was just um scary (laughs) it was really scary because i like you know you think yourself like should i be thinking this i don't know why i'm thinking this what's going on and then and i think you know um having a newborn baby they're so they're so dependent on you and they're so vulnerable and they're so innocent and then you're literally their life giver and you're there to look after them and that that's your responsibility and i felt in a way Mm. i really let myself down because i couldn't give her all of myself for those six months um mm. but I mean, look, you know, and once I sort of it was like a six month mark, as soon as that kind of pushed on and she was able to be on solids and she was, you know, smiling and a little bit more of a, a human, I guess, and a little person. Um mm. I, and I wasn't I felt more and more in love with her, but I really had to um do a lot of work to be able to get there.
0: Yeah, and what sort of um support did you have around you? Um look,
1: I had a lot like obviously a lot of friends. Um, around me in that moment in time but I also found um, like I spoke to someone about it as well I went and saw a counselor once or twice and that was helpful Um, Mm. but I think I I just did a lot of work with myself like I was just um, I think that's when I started getting more into my um, sort of spiritual side I guess with like meditation and journaling I did a lot of journaling really helpful Um, and I think I've read a few books and bits and pieces like that, but definitely having that support of um, like my friends was a, definitely a big help.
0: Yeah. Oh, I just want to give you a big hug. Oh, I love <laughs> you. I love you. <laughs>
1: but, I, you know, like going through all that and then being pregnant with, um, you know, Archer and then going through that again and then being pregnant with Hendrix and it's almost like I've done so much growth and, I, um, I actually really enjoy it and I get excited talking about it because I know that there's so many women out there that go through this and they don't have mm. to be alone and there is a light, Like, they're actually, as much as you can be in this dark, horrible place and you feel like you're lonely and there's no one there, like, there's always going to be someone someone there reaching their hand out to you to go, you know what, you've got this. I, I trust you and I believe in you and it's going to be okay. It will be okay. Mm. And I think, you know, having that community around you is so important. And I think it's yeah. also to be able to accept it and receive it. And I think a lot of the time, you know, we, as especially as women, we go, oh, you know, we can do it all on our own. I don't need that. I don't need help. I'm fine. But mm-hmm. when someone's actually saying, gee, can I please help you? Can I please l- let me look after your baby just while you go have a sleep? Can I make you some food? Can I, you know, watch the other kids for you while you just go for a walk or have a shower? I think we have to say, do you know what? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I would love that because we can easily go, I'm oh, okay. No, no, it's fine. Don't worry. I don't want to trouble you. You just do you. Yeah. You've got your own. Stuff going on. Th-
0: there's this thing about, and I was the same, like accepting help makes it might make people think that I'm not coping or that I'm not a good enough mum or that I don't have all my shit together. And, you know, there's, things that people post online to make it look like oh you know I've just had a baby and I've done all my washing and my kitchen's spotless and blah 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 (laughs) and it's just like oh I'm covered in shit and um I haven't showered in five days like and so I I better not accept help from anyone because then I'm just going to be well labeled a terrible human but (laughs)
1: that's it and i'm not
0: the case
1: and i think that's the thing it's like an expectation isn't it like we're all expected to be like this perfect housewife this perfect mum, this perfect you know woman figure or however they want the society sees you but end of the day like you know we're all human and like you said like sometimes you are covered in shit and you can't even go to the toilet on your own or you know mm-hmm. your, your dishes might be sitting there for like two days because you literally you just you just can't do it like it you know, but like, you know, like you said, like taking up that offer, if someone was to help you, absolutely take it and say thank you. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So with, um, I, I would really love to talk to, to you about um, the birth of, of Lillianne. Obviously it's something that you talk about, you know, quite openly on your social media and, um, you know, I can't imagine what it's like. Living life after something like that happens. Um, and I'm just wondering if you can kind of talk me through what that was like for you.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Um, so, when
1: um, I'll, I'll start from the start because it's a bit easier there. So, um, when I was 33 weeks pregnant, I woke up in the morning and um, my husband would call me, he called me every single morning and would be like, Hey, how's baby? And I'd be like, Yeah, fine, you know, fine. And I guess that, you know, obviously being my first child, I didn't really know much different. There was not there was nothing to compare it to. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it was the Thursday morning and I'd woken up and um, I just, I woke up on my back and it was just a really bizarre feeling I, I had. And I felt quite um, hollow. Like I felt alone. I didn't feel like there was someone with me. And mm-hmm. I, I, I remember walking and I was, I was walking to the kitchen and Mitch rang me and he's like, oh, hey, how are you? How's Baba? I was like. I don't know i feel really different today he's like well what's wrong and i was like i don't know i just feel really really strange like i feel like um like it was really quiet like it was silent it was just there was it was nothing and mm. then he's like oh maybe you should call the midwife and i was like nah, i'll be right i'll just sort of see how i go and then i made a milo and i walked around the house and i was poking my belly and then i was like come on just give me something a little bit of a movement A little bit of kick and then mm. i sat there for a minute and i was watching tv and i was like I just had this overwhelming feeling of like something's not right. So then I um, rang up the um, birthing suite and they just said, look, just come in and we'll have a monitor. And I was like, okay. And I actually wasn't going to tell Mitch that I was just going to go in on my own because I thought Mm -hmm. I didn't want to worry him. I'll just, I'll just go in. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: And then maybe, and then Mitch rang me back and I said, I said, Oh, look, I'm just going to go to the hospital. It'll be fine. And then I, I got my bag my handbag and my book and then I walked at the front door and he actually um, came home from work and we went together um, and then we went up to the birthing suite and I'm um, walking in and obviously there's people that are in, like women that are in labour um, and the room that I was actually having monitoring done was in the birthing suite. Uh, so they uh, put the monitor on my belly and she just kept going over and over my belly and uh, I remember she was sort of like looking at me and I was like, End and and she's like oh I'm just gonna get I'll just get the other doctor I'll get the other doctor and I was like okay and then the other doctor came in and um he did it and then he looked at me and put the doctor down and said oh I'm really sorry and then obviously everything from there happened mm. I think it's such a surreal feeling because you like I was I guess I was really naive that I didn't really think that anything like that could happen because I'd never heard about stillbirth before mm-hmm. like, I just thought that babies are in your belly and they're safe you know and yeah um so obviously when all that happened and then they said to me um if you'd like to go home and have the sleep and then come back in the morning um and we can go from there and I was just I said no way I'm like I'm not going home I'm like and I was I think I was in anger that I said just get just get the baby out of me just cut me open just do what you have to do I don't want to I don't want to have a baby that's inside me that's you know not alive um mm. so sh- She's, she obviously gave us a bit of time and then I said to Mitch, you know, we came home, um, I had a shower um, and then we went back to the hospital that, that afternoon and they, um, I was in the birthing suite again so obviously mm. there was women around me labouring all night and here That's I am that. sitting there like knowing, like thinking to myself like they, and it was that baby, the babies that were crying continuously all night long Jesus. and um. So they I, they did the um, the gel first because obviously I wasn't even like one centimeter dilated so they did the gel and then that was twenty four hours and then they they did uh, three lots, uh, two or three lots of gel and then um, so that was Thursday night they started that and then Saturday morning so it's been two days mm. um, and there was moments that I actually thought she was kicking. And I said to them, like, are you sure? Are you sure? And then they're like, yes, they're 100% sure. But I think mm. I don't know what it was um, psychologically.
0: Well, you would you would probably just be kind of assessing every kind of movement or feeling that you had in your body, like, yeah. and and probably desperately wanting to feel something too.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, so, yeah, so then obviously, you know, um, that, that night um, they did the balloon and then the next morning um, they broke my waters and then obviously started the drip and then went from there. So pretty much um, they started the drip at about 8 o'clock and then uh, I had her just after 3 o'clock. So mm. throughout her her labour and that um, I had two midwives and um, the second midwife that came in we're actually really good friends now, me and Shelley, She's very spiritual, and uh, and I, I, I didn't want to let go of her. Like I didn't want to let go, Lilian, because I was too scared. I was scared of like, what am I going to see? What am I going to feel? Like, do I even want to have? Like, do I want to go through this? And and um, and I was holding that that kind of blockage within. And um, Shelley looked at me and she said, "Jess, you need to tell her it's okay. It's okay to come now." And mm. I remember sitting there with her and I held Shelly's hands and I just said, Okay, I'm all right. I'm okay. I want to meet you now. I'm ready. And then it was literally within like an hour, I just felt this need to poo. And I said, I need to go to the toilet, need to poo. And then Shelly said, Oh, let me just have a quick look. And then she looked and she goes, oh, I can't really see anything. Okay, just go to the toilet. So I sat on the toilet and within like, I just did this almighty, like, like, raw. And then um, Shelly, I said, Shelly, there's something, something's happening. And then her head was already out, like she was crowning as I was sitting on the toilet. So I had to literally like almost hold her there until I walked to the bed. Um, And then within, like Shelly went to go put some gloves on and then Shelly turned around and she was already born. So, yeah, it was a really, um, I remember it like, I remember it such in detail, but. Her, her birth was it was uh, it was really beautiful and magic and peaceful and probably you know I I look back now and I'm
0: like I'm actually really grateful for that experience and yeah yeah and it's so good that you had someone there who kind of understood it and could be there for you and support you and um yeah
1: yeah and, and that's a thing too and having that connection with someone like you said that totally understands and That supports you and that loves you and that's able to connect with you on that level and yeah it was um yeah it was definitely you know as much as I would do anything to have her here it's it's like she's taught like as much as she never took a breath she's taught me everything that I know in my life right now like everything Mm. like the person that I am is thanks to her
0: like yeah and I mean I think I mean this is part of my spiritual side but I think she's always going to be with you in one way or another um yeah oh absolutely
1: like I, yeah absolutely and i think you know it's it's really it's actually really nice to know that you know i was reading this um article that was saying that um that from one child to the next child that their cells live within you for two years so when i thought of it i was like isn't that really special to know that there's a little bit of lilian in cherish mm that's so sweet. Yeah, it was really lovely. So yeah,
0: and so what? What's it like? And you know, forgive my ignorance because I really don't know much about this at all. Um, but what kind of what was it like with you know your body, like physically and mentally, after that experience? Sort of coming home. You obviously planned to come home from hospital with a baby, and unfortunately, that wasn't the case for you. So you know what happens to all of yeah guess, what happens to you horm- homo- hormonally and all that kind of stuff so
1: um the just after lily Anne was born um the midwife came in and said you know obviously your milk's going to start to sort of come in now so mm. it's a little tablet here that will stop your milk from coming in and i remember she put it on the sink next to me and I remember looking at it and I was there for literally probably five hours and I kept looking at it and she kept coming in. She was like, Those tablets are still there and I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I just wasn't ready to let go of that right then. Like I just needed that time to that was that like it was like a little piece that was sort of like disappearing and yeah and I, and I didn't almost want to do that. But um I knew that I had to because obviously if I didn't then I would have had that I guess reminder that she wasn't with me. Um mm. So coming home, like I, obviously I took to them, but coming home and then having the first shower was probably the hardest. I remember undressing myself and looking in the mirror and it was just, um, I had a real sense of, um, I guess, anger towards my body because I felt as though it didn't do what it was meant to do. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, you think that, we, like I, I didn't, I felt like I disappointed my daughter and didn't give her what she needed and I, I felt like I um I guess almost I was grieving that I was unfulfilling something that should have been so natural mm.
0: yeah and I mean I think that's part of grief too is that anger stage and trying to place blame on yourself when you weren't to blame at all but you your brain sort of naturally goes to that place of like or what did I do? I must have done something. Um, I must have, you know, drunk the wrong thing or said, ate the wrong thing or stood in the wrong position. I was like that after I had my miscarriage. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's not a great place to be, but I think that's sort of like a stage that you have to go through, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And you do. And like you said, you know, absolutely your mind, your mind jumps to these like conclusions and that it tries and tricks you and it's like, okay, so what did I do the day before? Like, could I have done something different or I wake up on my back and I never wake up on my back. Maybe it was that or did I eat something that I, I shouldn't have eaten or, you know, mm. I, remember the, I remember the night before that everything happened, Um, I had um, an argument with my husband because he didn't plug in the hose so I could water the back garden. Like, you know, like there was just things like that that I was like, oh, my God, I play, it really plays on your mind. But um, body-wise it was just more looking at myself and, and I think too I had a bit of a, a – another moment where a friend came over like two days after and we were at home and she looked at me she goes oh look at your belly it's so flat you don't even look like you've had a baby oh god and it was that moment like obviously there was no offense to it she didn't well intentioned (laughs) it wasn't like yeah she didn't mean it in a malicious way or anything it was just Mm. like it was just like it came off her tongue and it was a reminder that was like oh okay and I guess because you know she isn't here it was almost like it never happened and I think that's why I speak about her all the time because she did happen and she is real and she was real and she was here. Um, yeah. And I think that we, you know, especially our, uh, you know, bereaving parents, it's really special that other people mention their baby's name or their child's name because they were their life.
0: You know, that is their life. Um, mm. Yeah. Oh, Jess, I like I said, I really just want to give you the biggest hug because like far out girl you are just (laughs) superwoman oh I love you I love you I want to give you a hug too (laughs) maybe
1: maybe we can do like a foot tap when we see each other
0: (laughs) yeah totally I've I've been watching lots of TikToks so I'm really good at the foot shake
1: (laughs) oh my goodness that's so funny I have not got into TikTok I probably shouldn't because you know me and my dancing I probably I don't know actually I probably should because I might do like might go viral but I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't joke about that anymore,
0: can you? No, you can't. Um but look, I really I just want to say thank you so much for sharing everything you shared because you know, the, I feel like these stories are just so important and you know, they might not be the stories that people necessarily want to hear or you know, people might have a sort of particular view of postpartum of being, you know, this beautiful love bubble, which it can be and often is, but it's also mixed with, you know, so much nuance and um, lots of different emotions and lots of different things happening. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing um, all of your stories and for sharing your story about Lillianne as well, because um, I know that that's going to be helpful to lots of women to hear.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for having me. And I just think one last thing, I think it's really important that You know, you absolutely can have an informed, beautiful, powerful, um, empowering pregnancy and postpartum journey. If you know, it's you you absolutely can do it. You know, do the if you Mm. do the do the inner work, you absolutely can. Hundred
0: percent. Yeah. So thank you. And especially. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Talking over my guests. (laughs) Oh yes, so that's fine. (laughs) And I was going to say, especially you know, if you have had an experience that might not have you know been the best experience for you, you can go on to have, you know, pregnancies and postpartum that sort of better reflect what you are wanting them to be like, I suppose. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. thanks for listening to today's episode please come over and say hi on instagram that's where i like to hang out Uh, my handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore steph s-t-e-p-h that's where i'll be sharing podcast episode updates too hope to chat to you soon